0: Again, with more end time insights. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to do this. We are so excited. We're going to talk finally about Romans chapter 1 today. I've been trying to get to this, I've been chomping at the bit. And in light of what's happening in today's America, it is so appropriate. You know, we gave you a scripture a couple of weeks ago that uh, those that walk in the fear of the Lord, they shall not be visited with evil. And that is the spiritual vaccine against this so called coronavirus there are several answers in the Bible, Psalm 91. The Bible is full of the answers if we will just believe God, appropriate those promises, and live them out. And one of them, the fear of the Lord, that is a starting point. But I want to talk to you about Romans chapter 1 because it is so appropriate. And we're not going to start in in verse 1. We're going to go all the way down to verse 16 and 17. And I love this. The Romans one, probably one of, it's become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It is so rich. This is Paul. He's writing to Romans, the church in Rome, and it's just fascinating. And I hate to start in the middle here, but this is what I want to discuss. You know, I could stay here for the rest of the year on Romans chapter one. Uh, Dr. Lester Sumrall, one of our favorite earlier uh, Bible teachers, uh, great, great man of God. He did a, what do they call them, tape series on Romans chapter 1, and it was amazing. Actually, he wanted to do the whole book of Romans, but he got started on Romans chapter 1, and it took him 45 minutes just to do verse 1. That's how in-depth it was. It was rich, and I'm going to do something similar here. I want to start off in Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Paul writing, "'So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also.'" For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul, he's introducing that. The first 15 verses, he spoke about something else. He introduced himself, talked about his uh, love for his responsibility, his care to see them to talk to them. He says, I have something for you. It belongs to you. I love that. He goes, I owe you the gospel. I owe you the truth. And I'm carrying what sure is with me. And he looked at it as a debt. And now over here, he's talking to them and he says, I want to introduce to you the main theme of this entire letter from the book of Romans. It's salvation and it's justification by faith. And I'm going to write to you because I am offering this to a a decadent world. I am offering this to a fallen world. He goes, I want to make the case. It's Rome. Rome is the power of the earth right there, and the power of the civilization in which he's living in. The current environment is ruled by Rome, but that is in contrast to the Greeks, and the Greek, remember, they were the wisdom of the world. They were the They were uh, trying to proselytizing the regions around them with their Greek culture. It was very important to them. And so you had this conflict with Rome and with Greece going on. And Paul put his letter in terms that they would understand. I am preaching to you the power of God unto salvation. It's really neat. Somewhere else he says uh, the wisdom of God, the power of salvation, the wisdom of God. So he's addressing both the need of the Romans for power and the need of the Greeks for wisdom. So he's writing this. It's a gospel that's centered on a crucified Jewish savior. And that's got to be foreign to the Roman power people because the Jews will look down upon. They were the scourge of the earth. And he's preaching this about a Jewish savior who's been crucified. It's a very difficult atmosphere in which Paul is going to preach this, going to give them the gospel. And yet that's what he did because that's who Paul was. Paul was fearless. So number one, the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. I don't know if you watch the news in America today. I don't see how you can watch it and not be aware of the current topic, which is on everybody's mind. It's got us in financial lockdown. It's got us in social distancing, the coronavirus. And yet it's the news that's being played out. You can't watch TV. My wife has Fox on. We teach classes on the Constitution. We teach classes on patriotism, on the Bible. So it's important that she stay abreast of what's happening so we can make sure that we're addressing current events when we come back in our meetings. And if you watch uh, Fox News on the bottom of it, it's always got there. Coronavirus. And it's there doing the commercials, doing the show. You are hearing about the coronavirus. That is the news of the day. Well, the church has the news of the day. It's called the gospel. And let me tell you something. We can fix this problem with the coronavirus very, very, very quickly if we will just go back to preaching the gospel. And I'm going to explain to you why. Gospel is good news. This is the news that America is literally dying to hear. Did you catch that? America is dying. They are dying from the coronavirus. Not as much as people were expecting, because we've done great things to go ahead and eliminate the threat. And yet... There is a gospel which the people are dying to hear. People are going to hell because we have not presented them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the good news that they need. Man, they've gotten inundated with terrible news. They don't need that. They know what's going on. Every minute there's an update. Every hour somebody's on there, some professional telling you what's happening and how you can protect yourself uh, in the natural realm from this virus. They need the good news. We've got the good news, but we've got to tell them the good news, all of the good news. And the good news, the gospel that Paul is talking about, it begins with sin. It begins with the problem that man is broken. Mankind is broken because of our rejection of God, because of our rejection of his Messiah. We have rejected God, we have rejected his Messiah, and there's a sin problem in our nation. The gospel, the good news isn't that there is sin. The good news is that the sin problem has been dealt with and broken people can now be made whole in Christ Jesus. It starts with the simple truth that Jesus came to save a dying world from its sin. If we will tell our nation that it's sin which has allowed this virus to grow, to propagate in America, it's sin that is both the starting point of the gospel and and the starting point for the solution to the deliverance for our nation from this virus, sin. Let's call it what it is. Many preachers, they go out there and they tell you how much Jesus loves you, how much God loves you. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That is not the starting point of the gospel. The starting point of the gospel is that man is broken because of sin. I know preachers tell you they don't want to talk about sin. But, you know, Jesus loves you. That has no Power. The Bible says it's the gospel that has the power of God unto salvation. God loves you. It's great. It's a wonderful truth. It's biblical. It is part of the gospel. It's the reason why God sent Jesus to deal with the sin problem. But that alone has no power. It's the entire preaching of the gospel. The gospel, man is a sinner. It has caused him to be in broken relationship with God. Because God loved man, he sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for that sin. He went to hell. He died for us. God raised him from the dead. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. And here's the the key. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord and your whole house shall be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the gospel. Jesus loves you is such a small part of the gospel. The fact that we need to get the sin problem fixed. Only Jesus can do that. Once we fix the sin problem in America, guess what? The virus goes away. AIDS goes away. You know, God has been trying to get our attention for decades decades, decades. You know, we dealt with homosexuality. Well, actually, we didn't. And the result of that was AIDS. And the news media, the homosexual community, the left-leaning politicians in our nation tried to make it seem like you can't talk about that. AIDS is not a disease solely limited to the homosexual community. Well, of course not. They spread it into healthy heterosexual relationships, too. But at the end of the day, AIDS was a form of judgment upon homosexuality. But we blew God off, we didn't pay attention to that. And then we went into the next judgment upon America, nine eleven. And nine eleven was God saying, Man, you have fallen into immorality. We need to repent as a nation. And what happened? We went into church for a couple of months and that was it though, because we didn't preach the gospel. We picked parts of the gospel. We don't want to confront anybody. We don't want to be challenged by anybody. We don't want to be called haters. We don't want to be offended. So we blew off 9-11 and we're back. Actually, we're in worse moral state today than we were back then. And so God just sent a prophet. He sent Jonathan Kahn to go speak to the Congress while the Supreme Court, the day before the Supreme Court was debating on whether they were going to approve gay marriage or not. And Jonathan Kahn spoke, thus saith the Lord. And he told him, you can't do this. You cannot violate the divine order of God. You cannot rebel. You cannot put your finger in God's eyes and tell him we know better. But that's what we did. More judgment came about. And here we are again. Then we had uh, Katrina. Uh, Once again, America was forcing Israel to do things that God said, no, you can't do. God is constantly speaking to America. You know, he will talk to us in the Bible. But when we reject the word of God, then he's got to go ahead and he's got to perhaps send a prophet. When we don't accept a prophet, he'll send some remedial judgments. When we reject the remedial judgments, it's got to be some stronger, some firmer, some more strengthened ways where he can get our attention so that he can correct us. His will is not to condemn us. Yes, God does love us. And the preaching of the gospel is the manifestation of that love. Let me talk about this. We know, God wants to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. God wants to fix our problems. He dealt with the sin problem. Jesus is only going to die once. He's not going to come back every time somebody needs to get saved. And if America continues to reject the message, if America continues to murder the unborn, if America continues to promote sexual immorality, we are going to continue on this downhill slide. And what you're seeing today in the coronavirus, what you're seeing in the calamity that is called in the economic Uh, environment in America, that will be nothing. This is just the beginning of a downhill slide. We have got to stop it. At some point, we have got to send preachers out there. Nationally, they're going to put their hands up and say, no more, no more. I was catching the preachers that are out there. You know, Franklin Graham, absolutely fabulous. He talks about the fact that America needs to repent. We do. If America will repent as a nation, this stuff will go away. I'm telling you, I give you it. thus saith the Lord. If we will just act like we are listening to God, if you want to reject God, that's your business one-on-one. But we need to go ahead and we need to put a national call out there for repentance. And Franklin Graham is right there. He's doing great things. If you're ever looking for a ministry support, you need to support Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham does very well. He's a good man. We can trust him with your money. And he preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we just focus on perhaps preaching about healing, or preaching about how prosperity, how God wants to make you prosperous, we're neglecting the gospel. I told you the gospel begins with a call to repent from our sin, and that's God. You know, God loves us. God wants to approve of us. God wants to accept us in the beloved. God has appointed to us a destiny that's powerful, that's full of love, that's full of health, that's full of the wisdom of God, full of the grace of God. That's our destiny. That's where you belong. But you will only get there after you have heard the gospel. The book of Acts they talk about, have you received the Holy Spirit since you heard the gospel, since you believed? There's a whole process to salvation. And the very first step is we need to repent. Remember, John the Baptist came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is so important. The very first step, America, we can pray all day long. We can get on our knees and we can quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Until we repent. Until we get on our face before God and truly acknowledge we have sinned, we have forsaken our God, we have rejected God, just like Israel did. Until we do that, we will see no evidence of the grace and the manifestation of God's power flowing through the church. We can pray all day long, but no, you don't pray the power of God out down, you preach the power of God out. Let me say that again. You don't pray down God's power for a dying nation. You preach God's power out and then God manifests and he shows up and he confirms the word that you preach with signs and wonders following. You know, God loves you is great, but that's not the gospel. Jesus loves you is great, but that's that's just like almost it's a cop out. God loves you is great and it's necessary, but it doesn't stand alone. We need to tell them, what did that love do for you? How is that love manifested? It's manifested in Jesus dealing with your sin. It's manifested in Jesus paying the penalty for your sin. That is so important. It is so important. Verse 16 again, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Did you catch that? It is the power of God unto salvation. Nothing else on this earth can save you. Telling you God loves you doesn't save you. God healing you doesn't save you. God uh, meeting your need doesn't save you. The preaching of the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the power of transformation. We need to be transformed. You know, we go to church and we preach a 28-minute message. We tell nice stories. We bring out some scriptures and everything like that, but the gospel must be preached. That is the power that God uses to transform people. It doesn't, release power. It is power. It doesn't send the power somewhere. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let me get to verse 17. For in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So verse 17 talks about that when we preach the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, well, what is the righteousness of God? Okay, you could say, well, that's right standing with God, which is good. It's the ability to stand in the presence of God, even though we just come out of a sinful relationship with Satan, now we are the righteousness of God, we are children of God, and that's good. But the gospel reveals God's righteousness. If God justifies a sinner, it doesn't mean that he finds reasons to prove that the sinner was right, or even that he was right. Far from it. It does not even mean at this point That God makes the sinner a good man. He does not make bad people good. God makes dead people alive. Do you catch the difference? Yes, we were bad and now we are good. Yes, but that's not what the gospel does. The gospel makes dead people, people that were dead to a relationship with God, our spirits were dead. Well, the gospel, the preaching, the accepting, the believing, that makes us alive unto the things of God. God sends his Holy Spirit inside us. We are able to stand face to face with God through what Jesus Christ has done because we are the righteousness of God as if we were never a sinner at all. That's what Jesus has done. And we need to start preaching that on a national scale. That's what the world needs. That's the solution to the problem with the coronavirus. Tell people. Hey, as a nation, we are sinners. We've gotten worse. I've seen how much we've fallen in the last 50 years, and we're continuing to fall. People think we're turning this around. Well, show me some evidence of it. We're not turning this around. We're getting worse. Things get worse and worse. They don't get better and better. We are heading to the tribulation, which is God's judgment. In order to avoid that judgment, you must hear the gospel. Preachers must preach the gospel, not what we think it means. We must preach it as it is in its entirety. And the gospel begins. You are a sinner. You are out of fellowship with God. You will spend eternity in hell unless you accept the death sacrifice that Jesus Christ took on your behalf. It is so important. That's God's righteousness looking at you as if you had never sinned. You know, it's his righteousness. It's, it's his and the gospel plan reveals it. Nowhere else is the righteousness of God revealed. God's righteousness can only be revealed through the gospel. Bible commentator Murray writes, this declaration that God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel, it's even greater when we understand that this is the righteousness that God has given to the believer." It's not something I borrowed. I've been bestowed. Behold, what manner of love the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God offering this righteousness to man by faith. The Bible says the gospel is preaching of the gospel, the power of God. It's the revelation of the righteousness of God. As it's written, then the righteous us, we shall live by faith to faith. Well, what is that? faith to faith mean? You know, it talks about the fact that the just shall live by faith. Without faith is impossible to please God. From faith to faith, God offering this righteousness to us by faith, not knowing whether we'll respond or not, hoping that we do. And man receiving this offer by faith, you know, serving a God that we can't see, believing that what he said in his book is true. Letting the power of God's Holy Spirit, which came from hearing the gospel, change us from glory to glory. No longer sinners no longer alcohol, no longer addictions, no longer pornographers, no longer liars or thieves. That's the power of God, the transforming power of God that he wants to place in you, that he has freely given to you, that Jesus purchased when he died for you. But it comes through the preaching of the gospel. So man is then not only called to just shall live by faith, but man is now called to live by the, the same faith that saved him. The idea is that it's an ongoing process, that it's a lifelong process, that it stays with us throughout our existence here on the earth. Let me share with you something that I got out of Dave Gusick, G-U-Z-I-K, great Bible commentator. I use him often. He's really, really good. And uh, I love what he says. And he gets all these other people, the old old time saints, and he gets quotes from them. And I love it. Verse 18 talks about the fact that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. You know, the ideal is quite simple that God's wrath is revealed from heaven against the human race because God is a righteous God. The human race deserves the wrath of God. And the wrath of God, it's not just God blowing a gasket because he's angry with us. You know, it's sometimes we object to the wrath of God. We try to equate it with our human anger that's done in emotional fit. And it's motivated by selfish, personal reasons or maybe even by a desire for revenge. But we've got to understand that the wrath of God is completely righteous part of God's character. It is unnecessary. Who wrote this? Murray writes this. It is unnecessary, and it weakens the biblical concept of the wrath of God to deprive it of its emotional and affective character, to construe God's wrath as simply in his purpose to punish sin, or to secure the connection between sin and misery would be to make it like it's uh, virtually eliminate wrath as a movement within the mind of God. I love this. Check this out. Wrath is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is the contradiction to his holiness. It is God's holy revulsion based on who he is against that which contradicts his holiness. That's what wrath is. You know, and thank God the Bible talks about in Thessalonians, I think it is, that we, the church, we are not appointed unto wrath. Thank you, Jesus. In Romans 1.16, Paul says of salvation, what are we saved from? Well, first and foremost, we are saved from the wrath of God. Thank you, Lord. Which we righteously deserve because we just read it, that the wrath is the holy revulsion of God's being against our rejection of his. It's a contradiction to his holiness. Because of that, we deserve the wrath of God. But thank God, through Jesus Christ, we are saved from that wrath. We are saved from that wrath, and we are saved from our sin. In America, we are trying to tell people that God loves them, but we are leaving out the part that carries their transformation. And we need to go back to preaching the entire gospel. It is so important. When we read on, we'll come back next week, but when we read and we get into verses 18 and 23, We're going to see why is the human race guilty before God? Why is the human race worthy of the wrath of God? Why is the human race ungodly and unrighteous? We'll explain that to you according to the Bible. But for now, I want you to focus on the fact that we do have a solution to the downhill slide in America, and it is on the church. It's going back to preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with repentance it ends with salvation. It's available to all. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved, shall be saved. God is no respecter of person. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Jesus Christ died for your sin. If you've never made that decision, if you've never heard the gospel, which includes that part, I think pretty much everybody's heard that God loves them, and that's nice, okay? But the reason God loves them is because you were made in the image of God. But the gospel reveals to you, though, that you are not pleasing to God anymore. You no longer have a relationship, a father-son relationship with God because of your sin. And God dealt with the same question. Now you need to deal with the same question. But what do you mean, Ron? I mean that you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner, Yes, you're created in the image of God, but sin has broken that relationship that you have with the Father. But because God loves you, he has made a way for you to restore that relationship. But now it's on you. Jesus did everything he's going to do. Now it's on you. You must acknowledge you're a sinner and you must repent. You must receive the grace that God has offered you, which allows you to come back into relationship with him. That's his goal. He doesn't want anybody in hell. He doesn't want anybody to choose errantly. The Bible talks about choose you this day in Deuteronomy, choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve your flesh, the desires of your flesh? Are you going to serve Satan or will you choose God and his Messiah, Jesus Christ? Make this choice today. Pray this prayer with me open your Bible and start reading it. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that without Jesus I'm lost and I'll die and I'll go to hell. But Lord God, I thank you that you made provision for my sin. I receive the love of Jesus Christ. I receive the sacrifice of Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I too may be saved in Jesus name.